The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. Ooh. Well, good morning, Refuge Church. Good morning. Okay, okay. Well, it is good to be here with you today. As people are getting their seats, I thought I would share a a parable from this morning. I woke up at 4.30 to finish the sermon, got it done. Elliot woke up about 7. We went for a run together. Beautiful morning. We have this this road that... uh, steep incline right away right by us called Hallman we go up and there's cows sometimes there's pigs the pigs are always there you always see the pigs and so wonderful morning and until breakfast and uh, my mom's with us made a beautiful breakfast eggs the works and <clears throat> Elliot you know kind of picks at his toast a little bit not enough to satiate a growing young man and so as a new father, trying to be a good father, get him the nutrition he needs, you know, took a little spoonful of eggs and I said, one more bite and then you can get down because he's already to be done, you know. I'm glad we got such an early start to the day because 45 minutes later, <clears throat> we were still locked in a battle of wills <laughs> over one more bite of eggs. And I'm, I'm frantically Googling, like, is this okay? Am I abusing my child? You know, is he going to be scarred for life? And, so, and all along, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I go, I'm squatting next to him. I love you, Elliot. He's tears. I love you, Elliot. I love you so much. We just need one more bite. You know, and by this time, I'm realizing, like, I'm just making up these rules. <laughs> but I can't back down. Uh, and he probably knows I'm making up the rules, and so I I think, man, I don't, I don't know what to do. But you know, and I'm pr- I'm literally I'm praying at this moment, like, what do I do? And so I take his plate full of delicious eggs, and there's just a single bite in front of him. He knows, right? And the rest of the plate. So I go and I warm up the the plate, and I think I'm just going to eat the rest. It's a, I feel like this is like a I'm laying down my life for you moment, you know. <laughs> Uh, like, you can see me eating the hour-old eggs. And uh, this has a point. Don't worry. We're getting there. Um, and, so, and so I do. And, and as I take the first bite, he, he asks for the eggs that I've just heated up. And I, it doesn't matter to me if he eats that bite or this bite. It's, and so he eats one, and we just start cheering for him, you know? And, and then he eats the rest of the plate of eggs. He just, he just eats them. So the parable that I, I thought of, the, the example this is, is, is how God wants to give us good gifts, how he wants to nourish us with his word, right? I mean, literally, we're, we're invited to consume his word, and we just, we don't, we are so reluctant. Today, we're talking about prayer, Paul's admonition at the end of the armor of God to be a people that pray at all times, we're, we're people, and yet we fight it, we fight it so much. I won't do it, and, and yet maybe when we get a taste and, and our souls start getting satiated by the word of God, 
by, by what he's given us, all of a sudden we, we want more, even though we've fought it so hard. You guys feel that with some of these spiritual disciplines, prayer, reading the word, we fight it, fight it, fight it, even though we know we need it. So my prayer for us this morning as we open up the Bible, and probably some of us have starved ourselves this week over the word of God, even though we wake up, no man, I probably should get in, we don't, and then, you know, that maybe this will be the bite for us that will, will make us want to keep eating more. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our morning. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, I pray that we will be people that listen to you, that we don't fight against you. We know that your heart for us is good. We know because you did so love the world that you gave your son. Uh, we learn in Romans 8 when Paul just says, man, if, if God didn't keep his son from us, how will he not also give us all things in him? And you have given us so much, and you're still giving in your spirit that we can lead lives that are, are being led by the spirit. And God, yet we find our, our flesh, our will so much in conflict, um, not wanting to bow our knee or just live lives of humble worship. So I pray this morning that as we open the word that we'll see it again as good and we'll taste it and we'll, God, we'll want, we'll want you. God, we do confess uh, how our palate has been um, so tuned uh, to lesser wisdom, lesser feasts. So God, we, we pray that you will Help us hunger and thirst for righteousness. Hunger and thirst only for you. Go ahead and just take some time to, to pray yourselves if you have anything to offer God or confessions to make before we enter his word. Just take a couple seconds for that before we get into it. God, thank you that we can approach you because of the sacrifice of Jesus. When we ask for forgiveness, you're so ready to give it. We can live in righteous relationship with you. Amen. <clears throat> this is our second to last sermon in the series, and this is our intro. God is calling us to be a different kind of people, a holy people. Holiness is a quality that uniquely belongs to God. Being a different people means that our primary identity is part of God's holy family. In the book of Ephesians, Paul gives instructions on how to live as holy people in a world that often does not like our kind of different. The first three chapters, as we remember, we uh, learned what our identity is in Christ, that we as a church are the fullness of him who fills all things in every way. That is the church of Jesus, whether you feel it or not, whether you know it or not, that you've been saved to be the fullness of Jesus here on earth. That's his hope for the church. First three chapters were that, and then the, the last three chapters of the book are living out that new identity that we've come to understand. 
Um, in Paul's words, as he prays for us, that we'd be enlightened to this understanding because we don't live in this understanding all the time. So how do we live in this new identity? <clears throat> um, as I was thinking today about prayer and how prayer is something that probably all of us have tried and struggled with or tried and felt like we've failed out so many times that many of us just think that is for the, the major leaguers of faith. That's for the people who really know what they're doing. And as I was thinking of this idea of people that kind of know what they're doing and those who don't, the example that came to mind for me was if you've watched um, action or war movies, there's usually the, you know, the hero and the victim. And I don't think this is better portrayed than in the movie Gladiator where it's the first time he goes into the arena. It's this um, little coliseum in North Africa. And they're all waiting and they're all chained. Two people are chained to each other to go out into the arena. And you have, uh, you have the gladiator Marcus Aurelius, right, who, or actually this is the emperor, Marcus, Max, whatever his name is, right? They're, they're all Mar- Marcus something. Um, but he's confident, just what, you know, he's experienced in battle. You know he has the skills and he's just going to go out there and do his job. But the first guy is a guy who's just visibly trembling. And it would be scary. They're going out into the arena to to fight to the death. And you see this guy trembling, and he is literally peeing down his leg. It's a very graphic image. But he's about to go out, and and he's the guy. He steps out into the arena and immediately gets taken out. (laughs) Welcome to the sermon today, guys. This is... (laughs) But this is this, this idea of someone who doesn't have experience, doesn't have knowledge, is terrified and steps out and gets had, right? And the other person who has experience and goes out, and that's where he's like, are you not entertained, right? He's just like, he goes out and he does the job. And that is oftentimes how I think we, we approach prayer. We're like, these people kind of get it. I'm the person who's still, I'm just kind of the victim when I enter situations spiritually because I just don't feel strong. How do we become people, because it's made available to all of us, to be people who are strong and courageous in faith? How do we be people who, entering the arena of daily life, right, to borrow the image from Gladiator, to enter the arena where we know there are trials, temptations, challenges, things that are against us, how do we enter the arena strong and confident? With the armor of God. So we just, last, last time, and I think this is, this is the big tie, right? Last time we, we learned that we have the sword of the spirit, we have the breastplate of righteousness, we have the belt of truth, we, have, we are, feet, are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel, right? We have these things, we've been given the weapons, helmet of salvation, and then we're the person like, terrified, like, I'm going to get taken. I'm the first guy out, right? That, that's what we feel like. We don't know how to use the armor of God that we've been given, Move into today's sermon, and Paul is going to tell us exactly how to do it. So the big question, why praise? Because confident Christian living, confident, powerful Christian living can only be explained by understanding the power of God that comes through prayer. That's, That's why we pray, both to know God, but also to know how to use what he's given us, to know how to use the helmet of salvation, to know how to use the the uh, breastplate of righteousness and the, our feet that are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel, that will only come if you are a person of, of prayer. You're a person learning from God, listening to God, knowing how to use these things. And that will make the difference between you being like that person that's just, 
you know, man, I'm going to go out. I have no idea what I'm doing. And the person that goes out confident is if you have spent time with God in prayer. Because we hear that charge, right? Matthew or Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. But how many of us go into our weeks feeling strong in the Lord and in his mighty power? How many of us are going out with the sword of the spirit like, I'm going to take on this day, right? That is not typically us, is it? We probably feel like that person just, you know, heading out, like hopefully I die quick. <laughs> how do we be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power? How do we take the, t- the tools he's given us, the armor of God, and actually go out and be effective warriors? So, that is the lead into to today. And this is how Paul encourages us to do it. Um, Ephesians six eighteen through 20. And I will say the NIV, which we, we use to preach from, has a period at verse 17. A lot of translations actually have a comma there. And it kind of makes sense. So we're going we're gonna to start here, but I'm just going to lead into it. And you'll see the, the transition. If you start in 17, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit. Do you see that link? Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit. So that's why a lot of people just have a comma there when they're translating it. They just see it as one, continue. This is how you're using the, the word of God that you're giving. You're praying then in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me whenever I speak. That words may be given, so I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray, I, I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly, as I should. So the context of our prayer is a prayer that is done in the Spirit. This is not a, a new idea, if you listen to Paul. He makes other admonitions like this, and I'm just going to mention a few to you. Galatians 5.16, he says, walk in the Spirit. Romans 8.13, put to death the deeds of the body in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12.3, confess Jesus is Lord in the Spirit. Philippians 3, worship in the Spirit. The Christian life, the life following Jesus, is a life actively lived in the Spirit meaning under his authority and in his power. A Christian, someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus, is someone constantly under the lordship of Jesus. Motivated and led by the Spirit of God who is making alive the teachings of Jesus. That's the role of the Spirit now. And the Spirit is teaching us motivating us, leading us to pray just as we saw the Spirit lead, motivate, teach Jesus how to pray when Jesus was here. Throughout all of Jesus' life and ministry here, and then you see it in Peter and Paul and the rest of the the people that follow Jesus, constantly going away to pray. But we do not know how to pray. Even when we're in the Spirit, we must be led even there. And Romans 8, 15 to 16 is helpful. You have received the Spirit of adoption as children of God, and by that Spirit, we pray or cry out, Abba, Father, that the Spirit is actually 
making words come out from within us because we don't know what to say. We don't even know necessarily how to confidently claim God as Father. And so the Spirit's going to be crying out from within us, Father, Father. That's what it says in Romans 8. And later in Romans 8, it says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We pray in the Spirit, in our weakness, and he helps us there. For we do not know what to pray, what we ought to. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us, groaning with words too deep for us. This groaning that comes up from within us, these groans that are coming out, us just simply being available Spirit, lead me because I don't know where to go and I don't know what to say. That is what life in the Spirit looks like, where people motivate and led by God himself. And this is in contrast to a life in the flesh. You see it in Romans 5 and throughout the Scripture. Life in the Spirit or life in the flesh. You get one of those two options. Life in the Spirit is a life that comes under authority to the Word of God, and life in the flesh is life that comes under the authority of ourselves. Words that like self-oriented, self-interested, self-promoting, these are words that have to do with living according to our flesh. And, and it's scary how often we see this come out when we start praying. <laughs> and we find ourselves praying in the Spirit, not in the flesh. Have you ever got to a time of prayer and all you can think of is self-oriented things? That doesn't come from the Spirit. Now, there are times the Spirit's growing. He's just showing us stuff and we're confessing it to God or... or in, in the right heart, we're bringing it to him and we're, we're asking him for things. But if all our prayers, if we cannot get past self-orientation, we're not yet praying in the Spirit. Because the Spirit is calling us to see God and who he is. And in the light of who he is and his glory, a lot of what's happening here on earth and a lot of what's happening in your life does begin to be arranged. It's amazing when we start praying in the Spirit and, and all of a sudden we're, maybe we're even saying things we don't yet know like how to understand them because God's just God's showing us a different way than our own. If we were just going to pray my will, my will, my will, my will over and over again. How do we pray in the Spirit? How do we make ourselves available to God and His Spirit? And, and we get that by literally, I mean, if we're connecting this with verse 17, he says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit. And so the best way to pray a God-oriented prayer, a Spirit-led prayer in the Spirit, is praying the Scripture itself. And we see this in the life of Jesus in Matthew 4, where Jesus spent 40 days fasting and praying, comes out of the desert, gets tempted by Satan, and the words that come out of his mouth over and over and over again are what? It is written, it is written, it is written. This is what God said. This is what's in, in God's word. And if I'm saying those things, I know, even if I don't yet know how to like, even, even if words of the Spirit aren't just naturally coming out of me, if I'm praying the word of God, I'll be praying in the Spirit. I'll be praying his will and not my will. And I will say, this is so important, that battles are won or lost in this way. Battles are won or lost if we are listening to our commanding officer and what he's said or if we're listening primarily to our own instinct or not. So if, if you're in, let's say you're in the middle of a conflict, let's say this group of people, what, there's probably 50 of us here, let's say this group of people were in a conflict. What if every single one of us was asking, we were all self-oriented and asking ourselves, what is best for me? And we were trying to speak that all at once. 
would we be effective at all? We would not be. <laughs> what, if, what if we were oriented on the voice of a commanding officer, Jesus, not me, right? I submit to him just like you guys do. What if we're submitting to one voice? We're united in that way. We'll be going in one direction. We'll be a powerful force for good, right? But th- this is what it's like, man. If we take the word of God and we're praying, we're submitting our lives to the word of God, not just the person who's speaking up front, because honestly, you guys need to be coming back to the Bible and going like, man, does what he's saying align here? Because that's where we need to be tuning our thinking and tuning our hearts and submitting to God and his goodness and his glory. And if, if we're doing that together, it's going to be this beautiful movement forward. And, and man, it's exciting how Paul gets to this place of how we do that for one another. Um, as we see here, because he mentions four universals. As we are praying the word of God, there's four things that should always be happening when we pray. And he says it over, he's literally, he says, praying for on all occasions, all kinds of prayer, always keep praying all the Lord's people. He's like, if there's some things that happen in your prayer life, there's four things that always need to be a part of that. And the first is this, all occasions. That means prayer is always necessary. Prayer is always necessary. That's simply what he means on all occasions. There's not an event in your life, small or big, that you shouldn't be seeking the Lord through. There's nothing that, that is in your life that doesn't matter to God. It matters to him because you matter to him. So in all occasions, now I'm not, I'm not asking to be like, great, like, Lord should I have chocolate cake or vanilla today. You know, <laughs> And honestly, you maybe have a conversational life with God that you could do that. I'm not making light of that. But as we're doing, you know, as we're living, in, it's, it's meant to be an enjoyable relationship with God on all occasions, right? This shouldn't lead to indecision, but a simple act of offering to God. And, and honestly, there will be times in your life where God weighs in in a significant way and says this way. And other times, you're just me led by his word, which is how you're praying. He's not giving a new revelation. He's just giving you his word. And you're like, man, I know I'm living in righteousness and I'm going to choose chocolate cake. You know, that's, that's just the way it's going to go. <laughs> you know? But on all occasions, in all events, let God in on those things. The second all is um, in all kinds of prayer. And I think this is so beautiful because because. Praying involves a lot of different kinds of praying. There's, there's prayer that happens in quiet. You know, we learn about the, the prayer in the closet where you just need to go and be with God by yourself. There's prayer that happens in public, prayer that happens together. We, we pray communally together sometimes. There's prayers that happen that are full of praise, and there's other prayers that are supplication, or we're, just, we're asking God for things, or prayers of intercession where we're asking, man, God, will you... Will you you know, say a friend's in the hospital and we're interceding for them. God, will you be present? Will you bring them healing? There are prayers that are filled with grief and there are prayers that are filled with joy. All kinds of prayer and learning to pray in those ways. Learning to pray appropriately, I think, is a, is a way that we can read this in all kinds of prayer. There are sometimes where it's very appropriate to ask somebody, man, can I pray for you? And other times you just see them in a place that you just need to be present, sit there and pray for them, you know? Um, I, I think about this, that 
it's so important for us as, as Christians to know that there are different kinds of prayer and different ways to pray because sometimes we really stick our foot in our mouth, you know? Um, I'll just show this because the example I thought of was I, um, where we can pray in grief and we can pray in joy. I've been to some memorials where, and it's fine if this is where they're at, but um, something we talked about, I didn't want to at my dad's memorial to say, my dad wouldn't want us to cry. He just wants us to be happy because there's a time for grief. <laughs> And honestly, I hope you're sad if I die. You know, like, like if someone comes to my funeral and is like, Daniel wouldn't want us to be sad. I'm like, yeah, I hope you miss me enough to be, you know, but we're like that. We, we don't realize there's different kinds of prayer. There's different times of presence. There's different kinds of, there's times when, when we see somebody at work struggling with something and we know, man, we've, we've been in a relationship with them. We know they're just going to shut us down, so we're just going to be interceding. Man, God, will you draw their heart to you? Will you give me an opportunity to speak about you? Being sensitive to pray with all kinds of prayer in all kinds of moments. Prayer that meets the needs of the moment. Prayer on all occasions with all kinds of prayer. And staying alert, praying all times. This is what he says here. Always keep on praying. What does this look like in our lives? I think what he's, he means by this is um, to be people who are alert and, and coming from the, the lesson he just taught us on the armor of God, people that understand that there's, we live in a kingdom of conflict right now on earth. We are part of a different kingdom, the kingdom of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us, and we live in this kingdom now. We are meant to always have a posture of prayer, knowing that we need to be ready. What, is, what does it look like to always be ready, never knowing when it's in the scripture where it says that the devil is like a roaring lion that, that seeks who he can devour. Be ready all the time to be a person of prayer. Keep a prayerful posture. And the last always is so beautiful, and it is this. Pray for all Christians or all of the Lord's people, it says. Now, why this is so, so, so good is because I think so often we come into the, the family of God and, and I see this all the time and I even see this in myself is, is we just kind of wait to be approached. And there can be tremendous loneliness when you come into a big group of people. Say so you, you come in and you mean I love Jesus and I'm in a relationship with him. You come in and maybe you start really struggling with, man, I, I, I wish more people would call me. I wish I had deeper relationships. And those are good, healthy desires to have. My encouragement for you is start praying for people. And watch your heart just start growing for people. And watch yourself start breaking out of your own shell because your heart starts getting overwhelmed with love for other people. So instead of going, man, I'm just going to keep waiting for other people to come and talk to me, I just love them so much because I've been praying for them that I want to go out of my way and start talking to other people. Pray for people. Pray for people in the family of God. Pray for people in Ukraine. Pray for people in the Basque country. Pray for people in China who are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. It matters and it makes a difference. That's what, that's what Paul is saying here. And perhaps, being a part of the family of God, we feel so alone a lot of the time is because we are just wanting somebody to pray for us. We're wanting somebody to reach out to us instead of being people, knowing that you are, 
If you are the child of God, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you can start interceding on behalf of other people. God, bless my brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, you, you leave here today, and you're just thinking, you know, rather than just thinking, how does that sermon apply to me? Start praying, man, God, I, I know this is what spoke to me, but I pray that, that man, some gems of truth will just sink into the heart of this church, and that we'll start acting upon those things. What if that was our just prayer and earnest desire is just to intercede on behalf of other people? And Paul gives us an incredible example of this. Listen to Paul in Ephesians 1. 15, he says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. Since I heard about you, I just haven't stopped thinking about you. I'm just praying for you. Now, Paul could be like, since I heard about you, I was just, man, I was wondering why you didn't reach out sooner. You know, I was, and not that maybe I didn't go through Paul's mind sometimes, but, but you hear, man, catch a sense of his heart. I heard that there were brothers and sisters in Ephesus, and I just started praying and giving thanks for them. What if that was the posture of our hearts? Man, I heard about the war in Ukraine, and I've just, I have not stopped praying every single night for the churches in Ukraine. Like, that's the heart here. <laughs> and, and who knows what God will start doing with your prayers. Ephesians 3, he prays again, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I am just praying that faith will be rooted in your hearts. I pray for you, pray for you, pray for you. Guys, we are going to be such a cool radical, exciting people to be a part of if you're like, man, these people pray for me. Like, I just know I'm just cared for in prayer. And Paul isn't just going to advise it. He's going to ask for it. Chapter 619, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare fearlessly as I should. Paul says, do these things on all occasions, all types of prayer, all time for all of the Lord's people and I'm a part of that. That's what he's saying. He's like, man, and please remember me in prayer because I'm here, I'm in prison. And twice he uses the word fearless, which makes us think he is afraid. He goes, I've, I've run a good race. I'm, I'm about to finish this. This is what he says in, in 1 Timothy. He's a man, or 2 Timothy, he goes, I've, I've run a good race, but I'm afraid. And so pray that I will keep proclaiming. Now, I want you to, to sit in Paul's shoes here for a second to imagine where he's at. He is a man who feels a, a mission to evangelize the world. And he is one of the first people speaking the name of Jesus as it, as it moves out from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And he's just pressing out with that message more and more. And he's just like, man, I'm, just, I'm afraid maybe that I'm going to get killed before I get to finish that mission. I'm just, I just feel like I'm stalled here. I'm afraid that next person that comes in with a sword, I'm not going to tell them what they need to hear. Pray that I, Paul, can be fearless. He recognizes the enormity of the, t the task. And he knows that without the partnership of the saints praying for him, he will not be able to finish that race well. 
He needs these people praying for him. You need the person next to you praying for you. Prayer is not a solitary, isolated thing alone. It is done with the saints and it is done for the saints, even when we're alone. And nothing will grow your heart for God and his people more than praying for them. I can share very personally the way that the Coffee and the Refuge has been um, held over the years by the prayers of people, people who have committed to praying for us. We do not take for granted anyone who just says, man, I'm praying for you. And we sincerely mean it when we say, man, if you can't give money or even if you can give money, pray for us. Because <laughs> I tell you what, as the Coffee Oasis has grown, there has been more and more adversity. And it has been harder and harder to make right decisions. And to make right decisions, to confidently make, to fearlessly make right, righteous decisions, I need prayer. It is not easy. Sometimes we treat it as easy, as if we're like, hey, you just didn't say the right thing. You know, it's hard. Pray that we'll have the courage, and that is exactly what Paul is saying here that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel because sometimes I don't want to hold back or sometimes I want to pull a punch. I just, sometimes I don't want to fearlessly say it. Sometimes I'm afraid and so I just want to go, go gospel light. But to, to, to fully proclaim the mysteries of the gospel, I need your prayer. I need the confidence of the Spirit of God welling up within me and sharing that. And, and I feel so helped by Paul when he writes this because sometimes I'm afraid... <laughs> right? And if I hear Paul go, I'm afraid sometimes, but I need your prayer. It gives me confidence to say that. I'm afraid sometimes, and I need your prayer, so I will confidently do that, knowing that, man, who knows what ridicule or whatever might come if we fearlessly proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. Advocate for one another, intercede for one another, support one another, and you will never love the church of God more than if you do that. Honestly, you're going to be excited to see people because you're like, I want to see what's happening in their life because I've been praying for them. I'm excited to hear how this obstacle in their way or this barrier that they were facing is now gone because I've been interceding for them. How, how cool would that be if that's the eagerness and anticipation we have when we are back together? Because I've been praying for you. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful vision. And it's a vulnerable way that Paul asked for it. Okay, I have a beautiful illustration, and then I have some advice on how to pray. Um, as I was reading on prayer, <clears throat> you know, there's incredible stories, but one that really stuck out to me was, um, was one of David Livingston, who uh, many know him as this person who, who kind of traipsed through Africa, you know, but uh, David Livingston was an amazing missionary who, who his mission really, sent by God to help end slavery in Central Africa. That was his heart, to spread the gospel and to end slavery in Central Africa. And uh, he had made camp for the night and knew that there was a local tribesman, a local chieftain of a tribe, who was out for blood, was going was gonna to come and attack him that night. And so he went to bed, and, and in his journal, he writes about actually sleeping very peacefully, <laughs> knowing that this is probably... And it never happened that night. Two years later, the, the chief of this tribe gave his life to Jesus, and David Livingston, recalling that night, asked him about it. 
And the chief said, well, <laughs> me and the tribe got together, got our weapons. This is probably a loose translation. You know, but he's like, we, we, were, we were coming for you, and we saw that there was 47 strong warriors camped around your tent. And David Livingston goes, there's no, war, you know, there's no warriors there. He didn't have anybody guarding him that night. Well, later he went back to Scotland, and a group of um, parishioners from a church in Scotland shared a story about that same night being woken up and coming to the church together, 47 of them, to pray for him. And it's just this incredible story, right? Like, God doesn't always show up in that way, but he does show up in that way also. You know what I mean? Um, Paul is in chains here. Sometimes he breaks chains free. Sometimes we're in chains. That night, God showed up with 47 people at a church in Scotland, and the chief saw that visibly and was stopped from attacking him in Central Africa. Isn't that amazing? That's a great, that's a great story. And, and that's, that's not a, a one-off. That's not a one-and-done. God shows up in amazing ways when we respond in prayer for one another. God's inviting you to be a part of his work. So how do we pray? <laughs> how do we respond to this? The, the first thing I'm going to recommend is simply this. There's a, five things. And the first is just humbly admit your inadequacy, your feeling of inadequacy. Humbly admit God, I don't know how to pray. I did that. I confessed this morning as I was running with Elliot. Prepared for the sermon. Sermon was all done. And I thought, man, I know so little of what I'm talking about. <laughs> God, help me preach when I'm just a beginner, right? Humbly admit your inadequacy. The second is, is ask for help. It's the beginning of discipleship. Lord, teach us to pray. So we get in the disciples approaching. Jesus, we see this in your life. We see the power and effectiveness of your ministry because you were a person of prayer. We see this in the life of Paul. Teach us to pray. Ask for help. The third thing is align your heart with God's heart. And there's no better way to do that than, than reading the word and praying the word. Read the word, pray the word. Let the word of God be what fills your heart and spills over into prayer. We, we know the heart of God is to seek and save the lost. Pray that for people who do not yet know Jesus. Align your heart with his heart. Instead of just asking, man, introspectively, what do I need, what do I want? It will align your heart so much if you start seeking and saving the lost with Jesus through prayer. Fourth, wait on God. There are a few things more advised, encouraged, commanded in the Bible than the command to wait. <laughs> like me this morning, waiting for Elliot. You know, it's just this, like, man, you can be like, is there an end to this? But wait, because God is worth it. Because what's on the other side of waiting is worth it. Waiting is not with a timeline in mind or an end in sight. It's waiting because God is worth it and God has invited us to pray. Um, beautiful story of George Mueller. There was, I think, three people he prayed for his whole life. Two of them gave their lives to know Jesus and one after he passed away, and, and he was just waiting, right? Love that story by George Mueller. It gives me so much hope praying for people that I'm like, honestly, there's someone very dear and close to me that I pray for thinking, I don't know how ever they will give their life to Jesus. I literally, I'm praying for him, and I'm like, I don't see the conversation happening in my head where they ever submit to Jesus. I'm being honest with you, right? But I pray going, man, because I know God, and I know God can do something to to invite them in and, 
and break down their strongholds and their defenses and just and win them over, right? God can do that. And so I'm going to wait. I'm going to pray and I'm going to wait there. And then the last thing is um, don't quench the spirit, right? That's, that's advice given. That's command given in the scripture. Don't quench the spirit's fire. And, and there's really simple ways we can, we can quench the spirit. And one is we don't pay attention to the spirit. It's a great way to quench the spirit is we just, we drop into our prayer time and don't pay attention to God. We're just speaking at him. You know, we're not honoring him for who he is. We're not praying prayers filled with fear of the Lord, honoring him. We just come in and we just start talking. So wait. (laughs) Oftentimes we need to stop, pause, pray. Wait on God. Don't quench the spirit by... When he starts nudging you, when the spirit starts nudging you, we don't listen. Some of you might have experiences, you start waiting on God and, and you're waiting and you start praying where he gives you a thought or encouragement to go in a direction, he invites you and you think, that's crazy, God doesn't do that. You know, you've like been waiting for it and then you're walking down the road and the spirit's like, hey, speak to this person and you're like, that doesn't, that's not how God works, right? <laughs> Don't quench the spirit, but, but if you've been waiting on him and you just start sensing the leading of God, it's a good righteous direction. He's like, man, maybe speak to this person. That person at work, they're ready for you to like ask if you can pray for him. You know, like don't quench the spirit's fire. If you're waiting for him, expect it and respond to the invitation when, when he gives it to you. Now, I realized by the time we got to that last point, the fifth one, you were already scared. So maybe go back to the beginning and just admit, (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing, and then ask him, right? You know what I mean? As we start talking about what it could look like if we start hearing from God, I think a lot of us are like, oh man, that sounds crazy. Guys, the Bible is full of that, right? The Bible's full of God showing up when we're, we're willing and waiting on him. So, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray his word on all occasions. In all kinds of prayer and requests, with this in mind, be alert always. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray with me. Father, when we open your word and we get to speak about it, um, I know that you're you're excited for us to respond to you. I think sometimes we can create this idea in our own heads that like we want you more than you want us. We just know from the word that's not true. You so loved, or you spoke a clear word, and you want us to respond. You want us to, to start praying, to keep praying, to change the world in partnership with you through praying in the Spirit. God, I pray that this church, as we hear these words, we won't go out as that victim, but as the courageous warrior, knowing that we are following you, You've invited us to be a part of, of your mission to seek and save the lost. 
You're not just using us, though. You're, you're in us. That, as Paul said, that the eyes of our heart as we pray, as we live, will be enlightened to know the riches of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. We'll be solidly understanding and living in who we are. And that starts shaping our prayer. If you would do this to me, if you would save me, if you would melt my hard heart, you can do that to other people. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not better, more unique. God, you, you've won me over, and, and we can pray in confidence that you want to do that with our neighbors, our friends, our family. God, teach us to pray. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I forgot to introduce communion and prayer. <laughs> um, every week, faithfully, there's someone on this side, whether I forget to announce it or not. And I'm so, Joe so graciously reminded me like two weeks ago, and so this one's really on me. But if you would like prayer, Ibrahim's uh, over there and would love to pray for you. Um, also, Joe and Rachel will be serving communion, remembering Jesus on the night he was betrayed, knowing he would be betrayed, uh, understanding the full weight of sin he would hold. He took the bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. The same way taking the cup, he offered and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. And he said, whenever you do this, whenever you take this, remember me. And so we invite you to do that. We also invite you, man, if there's something on your heart that's keeping you from Jesus, to take care of that first, to confess it to him or to someone else you need to. And so you can come knowing that you're just sharing that with him with a clean heart. Amen.